gentlemen, I'm Elio. He's Ben. This is the PNC Progressive Wrestling Podcast. Ben, how are you, sir? Well, aside from you accusing me of being hyper and telling me to calm down before we hit the record button, I'm fucking fantastic. Well, that's what I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen. My co-host, I don't know it. You know what it is? I hate it up. There's too much he's been drinking, too much damn Mountain Dew we should put in there. Well, no, I, actually, the last Mountain Dew I had was from this morning, and it's empty. Oh, sure it is. You probably, we- you probably had a refill, didn't no, you? Uh, no, I'm waiting on the... Uh, on my fridge to get get one cold again. So, yeah. All right. So, how was your week? Um, very slow. I, it's it's July was like the month that never ends. It's just it's almost like watching uh, WWE television twenty four seven. It's just uh, impossible. I know it was. In- it's been crazy. It's like uh, July was never going to end. Yes, exactly. But on, on the positive side, um, we got an entertaining edition of SmackDown on, uh, on Friday, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. And I thought um, Wednesday night was very solid. Um, before, before we get started, we should uh, inform the listeners that, that Tonight's show will actually be a brief affair because we only have to cover uh, four shows rather than seven shows. Because we, we, last week, if you were with us, we covered um, Extreme Rules, Slammiversary, and uh, Fully Loaded from 1999. So we definitely had a supercharged show for our 80th edition of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. And so we're gonna we're gonna have fun uh, chopping down the the length for you this time. So hopefully, hopefully that'll drive up listenership a little bit. And uh, we're we're almost at eight hundred total listeners. We're we're uh, at seven hundred ninety-one right now. So hopefully, hopefully this uh, episode will take us over the eight hundred mark. So I'm looking forward to that possibility. So. All right, let's see we get into the shows this week. Absolutely. We're going to start off with Monday Night Raw. Yes, absolutely. starts out with uh, Randy Orton making his way out to the ring talking about how he took out the big show and he's now set his sights on Drew McIntyre and he's planning on taking the WWE championship away from Drew McIntyre. Well this was this was really the only logical move that they had to make because you know it's it's funny Raw has like no no heels whatsoever 
And then SmackDown has no baby faces whatsoever. So it's like they, it's like they flip flopped. But um, but it's almost like WWE has backed its, itself into a corner. Um, one because they have fewer performers because of the pandemic right now, and two because of their lack of uh, ingenuity on their weekly programming. So it's like you know I can see that that coming between. Wharton and McIntyre a mile away. Now, having said that, I don't necessarily have a, have an issue with that because I'm enjoying what Randy Orton is doing so much. Now, here's here's the issue that I do have with that, and it, it's not really an issue, but it's it's just more of an analytical take on things because if you put Randy Orton against McIntyre. I, I don't see how Orton could lose the match because given his storyline with Edge and how dominant he's been, um, it wouldn't make sense to put him in, in a championship program only to have him lose because he's the hottest act you have on WWE TV right now. So it only makes sense to put the title on him. Now, the issue with that is if if you put um, if you take the title off McIntyre at this point in time, it would be catastrophic to to him because then his title run was only four months long and would have to be categorized as a failure um, because. Especially given how much he dominated Lesnar and Big Show at WrestleMania, so I don't, I don't think that that's very fair to either competitor, having either one of them lose. So in my book, WWE really booked themselves into a, into a there. I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out, but I'm, I'm not enthused. Okay, and then, uh, then as uh, Orton went to leave, out comes a returning Nia Jax. Oh my God! And she's inter- she's interrupted by Shayna Baszler. And before they get into it, uh, we go to commercial, only to come back for the first match of the night, which was the Viking Raiders taking on Ricochet and Cedric Alexander versus Angel Garza and Andrade with the winners getting a championship match against the Street Profits. Okay, well, well, and, and I have to once again take the, uh, take the long-winded uh, breakdown approach here because I had multiple problems with the start of this program. Number one, uh, we had three straight promos by Randy Orton, Nia Jackson, and the Street Profits. Um, I don't want to see any program start with three consecutive promos because then it just gets boring as hell. Uh, and I, I begin to look at the clock and, and wondering if I accidentally took an Advil PM, especially with Nia Jackson in the ring. So there's that problem. And number two, 
Uh, is it just me, or should the um, should um, Andrade and Angel Garza have, have already been the number one contenders? Because this match was completely useless. Because if you think about it, how many times have they beaten every tag team on Raw already? You know, we, we've seen them versus the Street Profits so many times. We've seen them versus the Viking Raiders playing golf and fucking basketball. And, Come on, you know, we didn't like that? That was no. so great. No, it, it's bullshit. So, I don't, you know, I don't need to be convinced that, you know. No, you're right, it was. Garza and Andrade should be, should be the number one contenders. I don't need to see that match once, only to see it again very shortly thereafter at SummerSlam. So it, that part just didn't make any sense to me. Um, so, yeah, Raw didn't get off a very uh, pissing-like start. And then we get a match from the first segment with Sheena Baszler taking on Nia Jax. And uh, this wasn't, this wasn't, sorry, this wasn't even a match because the officials had to run into the ring and separate them. That's what I was going to say. But, you know, it doesn't really have to be a match with, with, uh, Shayna Baszler involved, and quite frankly, it's not going to be a match with Nia Jax involved because anything Nia Jax touches turns to shit. I think we can both agree on that. Yep. So I just, I just wanted to see Shayna Baszler knock the fuck out of Nia Jax. That's what I wanted to see. All right. <laughs> then we have Ben's favorite superstar, Seth Rollins, being confronted uh, by Dominic Mysterio. Well, and see, this this is what this is what's irritating me about this storyline. How much longer, number one, are we going to have to be subjected to the storyline where, number one, we don't know uh, what the greater good is. Uh, number two, um, you know, if you're going to have Dominic be involved. Uh, this late into the storyline, he should have already been aligned with Seth Rollins. Uh, you know, it's just they're really taking the slow burn approach with this, and I understand why. You know, I'm not stupid. You know, their their next uh, their next pay per view is three weeks away with SummerSlam. I get it, so you have to kind of put it on the slow burn. But it's just like when I can predict so easily what's going to happen or what should happen based on the concept of logic. Um, and I'll put that caveat in there because so many times WWE doesn't operate on the concept of logic. Um, you know, so is it, is it a good storyline? Yes. Uh, am I invested in it? Nah, not really because I can kind of see where it should go and if it doesn't go where I want it to go then this isn't sour grapes but to me the the storyline becomes a failure because it's so obvious where it should go. So we had at the end the VIP lounge with MVP special guest Mustafa Ali and then go on 
And I'm glad to see Mustafa Ali back. I, I really, I really am. I had, I have an issue uh, with him losing. I think that that instantly puts him behind the eight ball, which to me makes me question why he was brought back in the first place. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've always had a problem with. Uh, with how Mustafa was booked. I mean, I feel like since he, because if you remember correctly, um, you know, he was the one that was supposed to have Kofi's spot going into, uh, going into WrestleMania 35 last year. And then he got hurt. And I feel like ever since that point, he's just kind of been jaded. And then of course he got hurt again and just came back. But it's just, in what land, in what land of of any sort of common sense does it does it lend itself to logic to have uh, Mustafa Ali lose at this point in time? And then you got the, you got this moron, our truth, who I actually think is is funny, but in this in this case. You know, the most entertaining part of what he brings to the table is when he calls Mustafa Mufasa. You know, so it's just like, okay, shut the fuck up, get off my screen and move on to something else. Well, you kind of jumped ahead because I was just about to say that um, Mustafa loses to Bobby Lashley in the following his uh, the VIP segment. But yeah, that's you pretty much covered that too. I, I like that Mufasa. For those who don't get the reference, Lion King, nineteen ninety-four. And if you don't get the reference, I feel bad for you, and you need to go see that movie, like right now. You need to turn this podcast off, and you need to turn on Lion King. Next, we had for the Raw Women's Championship, Oscar defending against Sasha Banks. Kyrie Sane is attacked in the back by Bailey, uh, allowing Sasha to. Pick up the win over Oscar far off of off of the distraction, and Sasha Banks is now your new Raw Women's Champion. Okay, couple couple of different things here. Um, so number one, this was Kyrie Zane's send off. Her thank you was her getting the victory over Bailey the previous week, and then her official send off was having a career-ending beatdown by Bailey. Okay, that that makes perfect sense. And I guess given the storyline, the ending makes sense with Sasha Banks being the champion because of, because of Bailey attacking uh, Kyrie Zane in the back and Asuka getting distracted. Um, so, but the issue there is... Uh, the title changing hands via count out. I don't like that. I think I think it should always be the case that championship matches and definitively unless there is a um, there is a definitive storyline reason as to do it otherwise. You know, you didn't need the attack on Kyrie Zane to directly lead to um, Sasha Banks getting the championship. 
because the only way in my book that an attack on Kyrie Zane makes sense as to, to leading to the outcome of the match is if she's at ringside because then the distraction and the ref can get distracted and stuff like that. But having um, having Asuka get distracted, yes, it humanizes her because she's showing concern for Kyrie. I get that. Um, and I understand why they did it. I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying that in terms of in terms of having an ending, you know, when's the last time a, a, a title change hands be a countout? So the, the way that it was set up, it made sense, but I, I just, I guess I'm just picky with how I like championships to be decided. Okay, and uh, that brings us to our main, our main event. With Drew McIntyre defeating Dolph Ziggler, so Drew McIntyre now gets to pick the stipulation for their rematch. Before you get in, before you get into the actual match, can I just pose a question? Yes. Wasn't this match supposed to be a rematch for the? the WWE title, especially if it's a rematch from the Extreme Rules pay-per-view? Yes. Wait, say, say it again. So, I, I was just reading the results here, so... Oh, it's fine. So, my understanding of, of this was this match was supposed to be Dolph's rematch for the WWE Championship, especially given the fact that um, that uh, you know the their match at extreme at the horror show for extreme rules uh, was for the championship. Now it's my understanding that this match was not for the championship, and I don't know why that would be the case. They're having a rematch at SummerSlam, I believe. Well, then why the why in the blithering? Blithering red-blooded fuck. Would you have the, would you have this match on Raw? Save it for PNC exclusive in a future T-shirt. Just you know, fuck. You know, just save your your important matches for the pay-per-view. That's the entire purpose of a pay-per-view. Now, do you know what stipulation Drew McIntyre picked? Yes. Do you know what he did? He picked an Extreme Rules match. Which is so stupid <laughs> because we just had an Extreme Rules match. Oh right. my god. Can we get any sort of creativity, any sort of, you know, excitement on these shows? Is that possible, Vance or Bruce or fucking, you know... Who runs the Who runs the catering in WWE? Can we get Titus O'Neil in charge of a, you know creative? <laughs> Titus maybe, what? Maybe we can have a fucking creme brulee or a fucking uh, you know cherry cheesecake for dessert. I'm sure that would be more entertaining than what we're being given on Monday Night Raw on a weekly basis. All right, so that is uh, Monday Night Raw for this week. I'm going to turn over. Before we do that, let, let's do what we typically do for uh, for these um, 
for these reviews. Let me look at the uh, at the rank at the ranking that our trusted website uh, that we get the reviews from uh, gave this show because if if they gave this show a decent score, I'm just gonna shit myself. I'm just I'm just scrolling down till we get to the till we get to the ranking part. Okay, I'm on a Bleach Report uh, right now. They I only see the rankings for like each match that they gave them a grade. Okay, see this just pisses me off. This just makes you want to quit tonight's show just out of protest. Thank you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a walkout. That's it. Before I, before I reveal the score that was given to this show, what would you rank this show out of 10? Two. Yeah, I would have I given it uh, maybe a three. Uh, By the way, well, I, I missed one match that it isn't significant. It was Humberto Carrillo and uh, Murphy. Well, who gives a shit? Humberto that's, Carrillo, that's, that's why I skipped it. Humberto Carrillo is always going to lose. That's a far, has he even won a match since he got called up to, to the main roster? No. I don't remember, no. No, he, well, he hasn't. It was a kind of a rhetorical question. But anyway, this website gave the show a 7 out of 10. What are they watching? Why? What, what, okay, hold on. So it's just, what? They called it a fair attempt at a Monday. They said that um, they said that uh, you know the, the the show made a lot of sense and that um, that uh, there were some amazing matches and that Raw wasn't nearly as bad as it has been as they're building the SummerSlam faster than they have other pay-per-views. Excuse me, what kind of, you know, what kind of dumbass fucks would, would give this show a seven and, and call themselves a wrestling journalist? Excuse me? Okay, well, oh for, from one bad show to hopefully one that you considered entertaining, uh, let's move on to uh, my review of AEW. All right. Uh, and this this is where you can queue up the ACDC. Because uh, un unlike the other ACDC themes, theme song show, SmackDown, this, this is actually a consistently good show. So, okay. Cause I'm TNT I'm dynamite TNT And I will not fight TNT I'm a power load TNT Watch me explode 
So the first match we had the Inner Circle taking on uh, Jurassic Express and uh, um, Chuck Taylor and the best, friend, uh, best friends. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I, my my best friend is anyone that can get Margot sound off my television. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, just for that, I'm not going to mute you anymore. Oh, did I did I regain some uh, did I regain some credibility in your eyes? Yes, I don't like Marco Stunt. No, I, I don't either. Um, so and the the thing is that the match was fine. I don't um, I don't like ten man tag matches. Um, I I just find them very confusing and very convoluted. And, um, you know, I can always predict that um, whenever Jake Hager is in a match, um, you know, JR is just going to soil himself because he always talks about, um, you know, Hager's untapped potential. And I, you know what, to a certain extent, I agree with him. Um, But at, at at this point in time, I think, I think Jake Hager is like 38, um, so I think that ship has sailed on whatever potential he he had or once had, especially if he's splitting time between an, an MMA career and a wrestling career. I think I think his wrestling career has reached whatever height it's going to at this point. Um, you know, but. Uh, I just really, I really just don't like these kind of matches because they're just kind of hard to follow and there's really no rhyme or reason or intensity to it. Um, so match I'm watching an NJPW match. Well, no, I'll I'll leave that to you for tomorrow because we uh, we don't we don't review NJPW no, on this no, show I'm because saying I don't that. have. A- you have access. No, I was just gonna say because what? Oh, from uh, oh, from that one site you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. but you know, but I'm just saying, uh, you have a hard time following an NGPW match. They have a lot of these tag ten man tag matches, eight man tag matches. Uh, yeah, and I just, you know, I like traditional tag team wrestling, not not. Uh, you know, multi-man situations. Yep. Um. So then we had um, Cody Rhodes versus Warhorse for the TNT title. Now, apparently, this was a this was a, a much sought-after match because Warhorse has uh, something of a of a following on the independent scene. So personally, I had never seen or. Ho- or heard of War of Warhorse. Um try to say that five times fast. Um I had never heard of Warhorse prior to build up for this match. Um so I I really didn't know what um what he bought to the table. Um he kind of came out looking like you know ultimate warrior light. It was it was kind of a cross between Ultimate Warrior and Tatanka. Um, Tatanka. 
Yeah, it was just, it was, it was kind of weird. Where do you get Tanaka from? Um, I, I don't know. He just, he kind of came, came out to an Indian vibe talking about War Horse. So that's where I got the oh, Tanaka okay. Oh, okay, reference okay. from. Okay. The, me, his uh, theme when we came out. Okay, I, I get it. Okay. No, well, that's what, that's what was so interesting because he came out to a metal theme. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, this guy is uh, big on the independent scenes. Well, I, and, but the, the, the thing is, so I had higher expectations for this match um, because of, because of War Horse's uh, reputation uh, that I had learned about via a 10-minute documentary on YouTube. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it, I don't think it was a good match. I, I, I really don't. It seemed like it was missing something. And the only continuity the match had was was uh, Cody going going after Warhorse's legs so he could lock in the figure four. Which I uh, which I appreciate that level of continuity, but you know, for for someone that was supposedly as highly touted as Warhorse, I would have expected a lot more. Okay. Um <laughs> So actually, it, it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because um, I'm using a, a different site to go over the AEW results, and and this take I kind of agree with. So let let me let me read this because it kind of sums up my feelings on on Warhorse quite nicely. So oh, yeah. it's it says that it's. Uh, and, and just out of just out of fairness, this comes from ProWrestling.net. So this is not from me. This is from a different source. Um, it says that it's nice that AEW is willing to give guys like Warhorse a shot, but I don't think I'd offer him a, a TNT title match in the future. I agree. Uh, he's he's got charisma and a fun gimmick, but he looked out of his depth at time at times with Cody. Uh, he goes, uh, will Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, be another guy that comes in as Cody's good friend and immediately betrays him? I think time will tell. So I think the fact that we're talking about um, Zack Ryder in a, in a review for a match involving another guy um, really tells the story there. I'm not... It's not like he did anything particularly wrong. He didn't look bad, but he just didn't. I don't think Warhorse matched the hype that he came in with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what would you think of uh, Zach Ryder's uh, debut or Matt Cardona? Um, you know, I, I always thought that uh, Zach Ryder was one of the most uh, misused guys. Uh, when he was in WWE, for someone that had that long of a tenure, um, his his career was extremely underwhelming, and I, I hate that, especially when I consider that not to be that person's fault. It's one thing if if somebody gets in the way of their own career and you know is an asshole backstage or or doesn't progress in the ring or or something along those lines. But, you know, um, I, I feel like 
Zack Ryder was the only one putting any effort into himself when he was when he was with WWE, and because of the fact that he got himself over via his own brand, you know, with the with the Long Island Iced Tea and in the YouTube show and all of that stuff. Long Island um, Iced Tea. Hmm. I haven't had Long Island Iced Tea in a long time. Yes, well, I, well, you'll have to let me know how it is because I don't have alcohol in any capacity. Um, but anyway, um, so it, it was just kind of weird, and hopefully, and hopefully, he'll get a, a a better shake in uh, in AEW, which which I think he will. Okay. Um. So then, after after this, we get um in AEW. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, no. Uh, I was going to say we got an all-out um, preview, but no. Um, it was because uh, Tony Schiavone was getting ready to talk about all-out when Chris Jericho interrupted and came out with the rest of uh, the inner struggle. He's still upset because um, Orange Cassidy ruined his $7,000 suit, and uh, Santana claimed that Jericho smelled like cat piss, and uh, and Jericho got pissed off and, and went backstage. Um, but uh, <laughs> but then we we wrong. have a uh, so this was a random segment uh, with uh, with the inner struggle. Here comes another uh, random segment. We have a contract signing between. FTR and uh, and um, uh, Hangman Page and uh, Kenny Omega. Oh yeah, no, yeah, go on. For some reason, Arn Anderson was was involved on the side of FTR. I don't get it. I don't get it. Which I I really don't understand, especially if he's. Associated with Cody already, so that, that that was just very random. Yep. Um. So, and then we get a uh, we get a um, we get another promo slash recap where it is it is um where we get a rundown of. The Hangman Page and Dark Order segment from last week. Uh, you, know, you, know, Adam, you know, Adam Page isn't ready to join a cult yet, right? Yeah, I, I well, I would hope, I would hope not, especially not the Dark Order, because the <laughs> Dark know. Order has just been a swing and a miss for me by a long shot. <laughs> Did you hear that promo from last week? I don't, oh, thank you, but I don't think I'm ready to join a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do, and I I, I agree. Your your reference to that cause it makes sense. No, I mean, that, was, um, that was funny though. Yeah, it was. So then, after this promo, and after um, after uh, all this is done, we get a match with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Evil Uno and Stu Grayson for the tag team titles. I will say I really like uh, Grayson uh, from the Dark Order. He seems very smooth um, with what he does. I can't say the same for Evil Uno. Um, 
It's just, you know, I don't like matches like this because the outcomes are so obvious. Now, I have a question for you. Did you know that they were the number one uh, contenders? I'm asking you. Uh, no, I didn't. Neither did I. I didn't know that they were number one contenders to the tag team titles. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure that decision was made. I think it was just anointed. Oh, okay. I was like, what? How are they um, So okay, that on. was odd. So then after, obviously, um, the Dark Order takes the loss. And, um, and Brody is pissed off. So he, um, he grabs all of his Dark Order people. Apparently, Anna Jay is in the uh, Dark Order now. I'm not sure when that happened. I must have missed um, that. Yeah, actually, that happened on a pre on a, another episode of AEW. Um, did that eight. happen on? Did that happen on Dark? No, it actually uh, happened like on the shorts of the. They uh, pulled her in uh, with them. They, the she had her match. Then Dark Order came out and they uh, picked her up, and they brought her to the back with them. Uh, I I must have missed it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So um, Brody uh berates his uh. Um, his underlings for losing, and uh, he got very, he got quite physical. Um, so I was um, I was kind of like on that whole thing. Yeah. So uh, he, so Brody picks up a mic and he says um, he says thank you to Kenny Omega. Um, he said the Dark Water has numbers. And that this is the last time Hangman Page will piss him off. Cue the creepy music, I suppose. I guess we're supposed to be intimidated by the Dark Order. I'm certainly not uh, intimidated or impressed by uh, the Dark Order at all. No, you don't like uh, number five and uh, number ten, number four, uh, and, and no, eight, nine. No, I, oh, no, I really, they're great. You know, here, here's the here's the thing, right? So maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit jaded, but you know, we've been we've been talking about this since the inception of Dynamite. I feel like you know, Dark Order uh, instantly got off on the wrong foot because they weren't introduced properly. Uh, and what what I mean by that is, um, you know, we didn't have any promos explaining who the Dark Order were until after they debuted. Um, you know, because they, they had the big, uh, you know, debut. I believe it was either at, um, it, it was at the, the first um, Double or Nothing, I believe. And, but then after that, that's when we got all the promos and kind of explained that they were quite cult-like. But I, I, th- I feel like that it would have went so much better had they aired the promos before the debut, because at least 
we would have had a tease or some sort of understanding as to who they were. And then the AEW as a brand just kind of missed the boot on the dark water. And to be honest with you, I thought that they were going to be okay uh, once it was revealed that Brody Lee was their leader. Um, but his his run in AEW has been uh, nothing short of disappointing in my book uh, because outside of that one match that he had with uh, Moxley, he hasn't really done anything important. So I'm just kind of kind of over the dark water unless they do something completely different with them that makes them feel important. I'm just kind of done with the gimmick overall. Uh, next up, we had um, we had Hikaru Shida taking on Diamante in a non-title match. I I really um, I really enjoyed Diamante, but I wasn't really um, I wasn't really impressed with this match. This this just kind of came off to me as a, a time filler, which really pisses me off because. You know, if you look at Hikaru Shida and Diamante, I don't know if you, rem- if you remember Diamante from her days in uh, in Impact with uh, with LAX. Um, but um, you know, the, these these two ladies are obviously the best that AEW has, and for them to get less than five minutes on a two-hour edition of Dynamite, I think it's just kind of criminal in my book. But no, that we have to. It has to be explained what what the um, what the uh, what the surrounding circumstances are behind this tag team tournament for the ladies. And he goes, and apparently this. By the way, this is not going to be on the show. Why this... wouldn't it? Be, why wouldn't it be on the show? Where would it? Where would it be? Uh, I think I read that they're, they're planning on airing this uh, tournament on uh, YouTube on Monday nights around 7 p.m. Well, what the fuck? <laughs> then, then why are they making it a big deal on the fucking show if it's not going to be on the fucking show? I, I don't know. I just read that now. I don't know how true that's going to be, but that'd, okay, be, well, that, that, well. that'd be stupid if they did that. Well, if that's true, because they sure as hell spend a lot of time explaining it, because apparently it's going to be based on colors, and those that draw the matching colors will be teammates. So the first one to draw was going to be uh, Nyla Rose. Um, and the interviewer, I'm not sure who this interviewer was uh, might have been uh, might have been Dasha Fuentes but I'm just not sure um, so anyway Nyla draws the cover or the, not the cover the color purple and it, it is revealed that her partner is the former Funkadactyl Arian aka Cameron <laughs> I don't give a fuck I, I, I thought Cameron was done with wrestling. She sucked when she was in uh, when she was in WWE, and I'm sure she's gonna suck. Come on, you don't even like hearing her say "girl bye." No, 
it's asinine. So I'm not I'm not sure where where they picked her up off of because I I don't know. But I, I, already, just, I already know what's gonna happen. They're gonna lose in the first round, and then and that well, they should. And that little is gonna destroy her, and that's the last oh, thing we good. see her. Good, great, grand, wonderful. There will be plenty of yelling on my bus when that happens. And if you don't know what movie that's from, I feel bad for you. And it's it, it's from Billy Madison. People get it right. Chris Farley is a classic comedian. Okay. Oh, God. Fucking. What the hell is this stupid shit? But, but, but speaking of something that wasn't stupid, MJF had the moment of the night in my no, book. No. What? Why? It was okay, a- hold on. I want you to explain to me <laughs> what it is about this promo that you like. Oh, well, I want to hear you explain. Oh, oh, does that mean I have the floor now? Yes, I want to hear this. Okay. And by the way, before I get into this, this this will be your cue to put music in before I explain this. All right. So now that now that I've had my proper musical introduction. Uh, allow me to explain to Elio, who's very impatiently waiting for me to explain myself, why I enjoyed this promo so much. MJF came out in a very uh, Donald Trump-like approach, and he's ta- and he's talking about how uh, he's going to give you a, a state of of the company sort of address. And and he goes that um, that he's he's been given an, an inordinate amount of time uh, to speak in order to fill the people with knowledge. Once again, a very Trumpish line. Um, and then and then he just, he goes right into this classic heel kind of kind of thing. Uh, where a woman approaches him and he, he doesn't allow her to speak and only says, smile for me. And then like, he kind of like shoes her away. So that was kind of weird. Um, but but, but I, what I found so entertaining is that, um, is that he really established himself as a, as a championship contender with, the, with this promo. Because to me, it, 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 it makes everyone want to kick MJF's ass. And to me, that's the epitome of, of a proper wrestling heel, which I, which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. So um, he goes that the reason why he's been on Dynamite for two, uh, for two weeks in a row um, or he said that people were shocked to see him on Dynamite for two weeks in a row, um, and and he's not with the bench warmers sitting around the ring. The reason he gives for this um, is because a certain someone doesn't want to be upstage two weeks in a row, presumably referring to Cody Rhodes. Um, he said people in the company used to want change. Um, 
out with the old and in with the new. And then this is where the promo starts getting really good. He goes after um, after WWE and said that people showing up for the land of Titans and making demands is old. Uh, he said wrestlers uh, have been brainwashed to come out and and slip around and damn near die for the entertainment of fans. Uh, I, I I agree with him there. So the the quality of the promo automatically gets an uptick in grade for, for me for that. He called for a leader and said it, it's time uh, to get serious and and not let any of the roster play rest play around as cosplay wrestlers. Then he goes after Moxley calling him Dictator John and says he does better numbers um, than Moxley does in his in his segments, uh, calling him part of the old guard um, and says that he's responsible for uh, famine, war, and destruction of the wrestling industry. Uh, and and uh, MJF will save us all from Moxley, and uh, and plant and plant the company flag back on top of the mountain. Um, he said that he's he's, annou- he's announcing his candidacy for the world championship and challenges Moxley to a world title match at All Out. This was fan fucking. Fantastic. I love this. This is going to be the launching off point for so many classic promos between him and Moxley. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced that uh, MJF is, is ready to take the mantle of world champion. I see uh, you there. Convinced. <laughs> Elio made it funny. Let, let's all laugh and pretend that Elio made it funny. But uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed this uh, this promo. Okay, I'm gonna say I enjoyed the promo. I didn't like the WWE references. Well, yeah, there, there were there were a lot of them. I, I, I will agree with you there. That's but, why I said I want to hear why you like this promo because I thought you were going to say the WWE references were good, that that was part of it. No, so like, no. That was it. Like, no. No, well, see, I'm, I'm a better, more educated wrestling personality than that, my friend. Give me some credit. No, I, I loved it because it really showcased MJF's ability as a as a as a heel on, on the microphone. Um Ladies and gentlemen, I've just extended my co-host's contract another year. And what do I get paid for that? <laughs> we'll we'll discuss that in nego- negotiations. Uh, promises, promises, promises. Um, okay, and then we get to the main event. Uh, this was um, this was Darby Allen and John Moxley versus Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in a Texas Tornado match. 
I call it that because that's what it really is. It's not just a that's tornado. What it was. No, that's, no, that's what it was. Wait, would you call it? It's a, it's a, it's a, I called it a Texas tornado tag and they just have it as a tornado tag. But for rest, wrestling fans that are old hack like me, it's Texas tornado tag. Get it right. Okay. All right. I'm not, not you know, I know, I know, I know. I, yeah. I, it's a Texas tornado match. You're Very right. good. So, so automatically this gets very violent as, as, Everybody's looking for weapons, and you know Moxley's got a chair in the ring. He hits Starks with it, um, but Cage comes up from behind him. Uh, Darby got a stunner on Cage, and Moxley lands a cutter on Starks. You know, and this just—I didn't really like this one too much because it was all about you know the violence and stuff like that. And um, Ricky Starks had a really bad night because he took a skateboard to the back. Did you which, see that? Which oh the bottom God. of the board, the board had no wheels, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm kind of a skateboard guy, so I kind of know this shit. Um, you know, outside of, I just know skateboarding in general, but not that you'd have to know skateboarding to understand that this wasn't the proper use of the skateboard. Um, but the skateboard had no wheels, and there were there were tacks in the bottom of the board, and so so Alan just jumps off the top rope on the board, and and it lands on um, it lands on uh, Stark's back, and his back was so fucked up after this. They. I mean, thank God I've, I've developed a strong stomach as I've gotten older because the, a, a younger version of me would have puked when they did the close-up on Ricky's back. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, overall, I really um, I really enjoyed uh, this episode of, of Dynamite, and I, and I really feel like... Um, Dynamite has gotten stronger and stronger in quality, especially over the last month, which I'm very encouraged to see, especially uh, when WWE has has been having such consistently sit, shitty shows during this pandemic. So it's nice to have a little bit of a break and, um, and uh, get some quality wrestling on Wednesdays. Now, for, for the purpose of... Uh, breaking up the, uh, you know, the monotony of my voice and just uh, mixing it up a little bit before I give you my take on this week's NXT. We're going we're gonna to jump ahead in, in the week, and uh, I'm going to toss it over to uh, Elio for SmackDown before we come back and wrap the show up with my take on this week's NXT. So, Elio, take it away. And before we do that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. You make a liar out of me, ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And now we're going to SmackDown. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Sweet apple pie Stand 
this show, Ben. I like this show. Well, yeah, I actually kind of liked it myself. So. All right, so we 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 kick things off with um with uh, each superstar appearing on the show, uh, talking about uh, their their match uh, for the night, and this was just like the opening for the alternates main events. Yeah, and, and I gotta tell you, I don't, I don't like them doing it so consistently. Now I think that they should save this kind of opening for like big important nights, such as like the pay per views. Okay, and our uh, first match we have the Intercontinental Championship. AJ Styles defending against Grand Metal League. AJ Styles retaining the Intercontinental Championship. This was, was it, now. Was it just? I'm sorry, not to cut you off. I know that this is your segment of the well, show, well, but well. I just have a question. Um, w- was it just me, or like this match was awesome? But like, what was the purpose of it? Like, because it, it was it was so random to have Graham and the leak of all people get an intercontinental title opportunity. Well, it's been having Drew Gulak. I don't want to see Drew Gulak. See, I, I, I disagree with you there. I would take Drew Gulak over Graham at a leak any time, any time of the week. Okay. All right, and then uh, we have Jeff Hardy out in the ring addressing his future. And that's followed up by King Corbin versus Drew Gulak. Now, in the back after Corbin's match, Chad Gable is shown in the, and Corbin approaches him and uh, talks to him about uh, the King's ransom he's got out on um, Matt Riddle's head. And at first, yeah. uh, Gable is not, uh, is not wanting anything to do with it because for the longest time, Corbin's been making fun of him and bullying him. And now apparently they're friends. So that brings us to Matt. That, that brings us to the Drew Gulak and Corbin match where Riddle it, attacks Corbin from behind. And that brings out Gable, who just delivers a German suplex to Matt Riddle. So apparently Corbin is now a heel. Well, Corbin was always a heel, but... I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. Gable is now a heel, apparently. Yes, he walks off with Corbin. Yeah, which is is so random. And right next, we have Biggie's first match on his uh, singles run. SmackDown uh, oh, versus and, The Miz. And why does it have to be The Miz? Why does it have to be The Miz? Again, why in the fuck does it have to be The Miz? Now, I want to know, what do you think about this? Uh, the, how this uh, singles run is starting out, though, with the D? Once again, not well. Not well when, when I'm talking about um, going up against the Miz because to me the any match with the Miz just puts me to sleep. His offense sucks. It's he's not convincing in any capacity. But, other uh, than other than on the microphone, but as a wrestler he is the most boring 
most, I'd rather wash paint dry. Uh, you know, it, it, and it, you know, I know he's been around for a long time. I, I get it. You know, he's a former WWE champion. I get it. But you know, it's just he, I don't. I no longer understand the fascination with the Miz. Nobody. I defy you to find me one person that says, "Yeah, the Miz is a good wrestler." I. I would love, I would love, because this podcast has the ability to receive voice messages and, and play them on the air for the fans. I, I would love somebody that listens to this show. I don't care if I know you personally. I don't care if I give you the fucking login information to call us and put this motherfucker on the show. I defy anybody to, to find me someone who can put a good argument forward as to why The Miz is a good WWE professional wrestler. Just help me understand it. And it's not helping Biggie anybody still doing this no. stupid New Day crap. No, I, because if, if you're going to have... Okay... First of all, I have, see the, the thing with Big E is this is a multi-layered situation because yes, I think he, he could be a major star in the, in the future for for um, WWE. He he has always had the charisma, he's always had the look, you know. And and in ring, I mean the the guy's a freak. He's one of the strongest people I've ever seen. I think he is like a like a eight hundred pound deadlift or something ridiculous. It's it's really in, insane. So so the guy has all the the qualities that are needed to become a major player in in the WWE championship picture on a persistent basis. I've always said that. Um, but now. Circumstances being what they are, with both Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston being out, you know, the the, the thing here is that I fear that Big E's singles run is motivated by a political reason, uh, and and the and the reason I say that, and I don't usually go political, but if if you if you if you caught this uh, a few weeks ago, they uh, took a knee in the middle of the ring in support of George Floyd and some other uh, police-involved shooting victims, and um, you know, so it, it it might go the political route. So I, while he deserves it, and I obviously support. Um, Biggie's right for making a political statement, and I actually have no problem with the actual statement because he's exactly right uh, to call attention to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I just I just fear that his that if he does get the WWE championship right now, it's going to be overlooked as being because he deserves it because he's a great wrestler and a great entertainer and more for just the political purposes. And I, I would hate that, that for, to be the case for him because he certainly doesn't deserve to be a token WWE champion. He deserves to be the WWE champion because he's awesome at what he does. 
So I'm hoping they do the right thing by Big E because I've always been a fan of his. I've always supported him, and I want to see him be successful. Okay, and uh, next we had Naomi defeating Lacey Evans. And, of course, uh, play, playing up the whole Naomi deserves better hashtag. You know, you know what? who deserves better? We do because we have to cover Lacey Evans in a professional wrestling ring. Okay, let me let me, let me break down Lacey Evans very succinctly for you. Okay, you don't because, like Lacey Evans still? No, I never right, did. So, as, a, as a matter of fact, I never did. And I'll tell you it's why. okay. Her, her and I aren't uh, talk on the same page anymore either, so it's okay. Because <laughs> because let me let me explain something to you. Because you have the, you have the actual person behind the Lacey Evans character who has been in the military, has verified kills in, in, in war zones, okay, is a, is a legitimate badass, right? Mm-hmm. I have all the respect in the world for that. That lady is a fucking badass, and my understanding is she's an awesome mother, too. So every everything related to that, I'm, I'm down with that, and I'm in, I'm in Lacey Evans' corner, absolutely. No question about that. Where I'm, where I'm not in her corner is this, this 50s, 60s throwback character she, she has, this sassy Southern Belle bullshit that looks, looks like it's straight out of a fucking propaganda ad. I'm surprised that nobody, nobody has called attention to that because it, it, literally it looks like political propaganda cover girl 101. Uh, so that that's bullshit, and and, and num- number two, if if you want to get if you want to get uber critical regarding Lacey Evans' uh, wrestling skill, uh, she doesn't have it. The only compelling move that she has is a moonsault. That's it. Uh, you know the the rest of the rest of the match. I'm concerned about her and her opponent getting hurt because it's it's. She seems to have just as many botches as a Brie Bella match, you know, back in, uh, you know, I, th- I think it was 2018 when she, actually 2019 when she almost broke uh, Liv Morgan, or she knocked Liv Morgan unconscious and concussed her. I mean, it, that, like, that's the level to which I get nervous when, when Lacey Evans is involved in a match. She's just not good. And the fact that she's been this not good for this long is not um, is not conducive to her having a, a lengthy, successful career in WWE. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just Lacey. She needs to change up her style. Just, uh. yeah. Next, we had... One of my favorite segments. Uh, we have Sonny Deville attacking Mandy Rose backstage, and this I'm is great. This, this is, is great. this is gonna lead to a hair versus hair match. It's I'm, down. I'm down for that. I, now, I, I, I don't see either woman losing their hair. Now, but... now, Ben, hold on. You said you don't like Miz as a wrestler, but this was funny when uh, <laughs> him and Sean first were backstage. <laughs> Making all those hair references. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. That was funny. Yeah, I, but it, it'll be interesting to see how they pull off a hair versus hair match because I don't see any either one of these ladies losing their hair. And then in the main event, we have Bailey defeating Nikki Cross to retain the Women's Championship. After the match, Alexa Bliss goes to console Nikki, but Nikki just shoves her to the mat and exits the ring and walks off. And then we get The Fiend making his yeah. appearance. Yeah, and to me, this Go on, is... You can, you can take this. Go ahead. Yes, and to me, this is the most interesting segment that that um, Alexa Bliss has been involved in since she came to the WWE. Um, this is actually, in all seriousness, this is probably the first time that I legitimately cared about something that Alexa Bliss was involved in. Um, <clears throat> And um, the, the and the reason why I was so fascinated with it is because it was such a curveball, and I don't know if you if you watched her reaction to the fiend, but aside from the fear, I would have expected her to be shrinking away from him, and at, especially as the claw was getting closer, you know, the gloved hand that he was got sticking her mouth with the mandible claw. And she wasn't really backing away from him. I mean, it's almost like she was accepting it. Um, so to to me, that this could mean one of two things for for Alexa Bliss as it as it relates to uh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, number number one, and this is what I wouldn't want to do. Um, this could be. Um, this could be Bray Wyatt's way of getting to Braun because her, him, and uh, Alexa have a connection, being that uh, they were both part of Team Little Big in the Mixed Match Challenge, and they've been on TV many times and being uh, showcased as being friends. So that would be the simple way to do it. But number number two, and, and I'm hoping that WWE has enough imagination and foresight to do this because I think that this would be great. Um, I I think Alexa Bliss could turn heel and become Bray Wyatt's sister Abigail. I think number that would five for number two. Uh, yeah, because because if you think about it, they've never That's really so done. Wrong. They've never really done anything. <laughs> don't worry, I'll cover for you. Um, don't worry, I'll cover for you. Um, but you know, it, it's just they've never really done anything uh, substantial with the Sister Abigail character. Yes, they have the puppet Abby the Witch. Um, yes, they teased it when. Um, when Randy Orton burned down the barn and supposedly burned the ashes of Abigail at Payback uh, 2016. Um, yes, I, I do remember back that far because I am a student of the game on this podcast. We are not goons that, you know, just just, <laughs> just talk randomly about WWE and kiss everybody's ass. We do our homework and we know our shit, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, you know, so it, aside from that rant, um, 
which I had, which I had to go on. Um, you know, so they could do so many cool things with the sister Abigail character. I don't know if you remember this, but before Liv Morgan came back as part of that god awful lesbian wedding angle with uh, Lashley and uh, Lana and Rusev and all, and all that clusterfuck. Um, you know, there was a there was a video online am, amongst the rumors that she was going to return as Sister Abigail, where a fan had actually made an entrance video for her as Sister Abigail, where it said "Let her live," liv, and it was it was so it was so cool the way the way that they did that, and I was so disappointed when. Um, when they chose not to pull the trigger on that, because personally, I think, I think Liv Morgan has a lot more potential than what she's been shown as. So I was disappointed that she didn't get showcased in that fashion. Uh, that being that being said, um, if if they use Alexa Bliss as Sister Abigail, number one, you could use her to get to Bray, but number two. You can you can use her in in such cool ways beyond that, especially if you, if you align her with the fiend. Um, so Actually, I just I just found that video on uh, YouTube, the Liv Morgan one. Yeah, and um, you know if you if you hadn't seen that, I would I would uh, encourage anyone listening to go. Uh, take take a gander at that because I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's called um, the, the the fiendish Liv Morgan. Let her live. WWE entrance theme custom. Yes, and it, it was it was awesome. Um, so I'm really hoping that they go with the second scenario alien out because I think that has a lot of potential. Uh, but with that, that will wrap up our. Uh, SmackDown review, a much more solid show this week and uh, something that they could definitely build on. And uh, now we, we will we will go back in time and take a little mini trip on the DeLorean and go back to this week's NXT, which I will now uh, review for you. kicks off with an intro focusing on Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Uh, they have they have so much potential with Karrion Cross, and I, I and my fear is that um, Keith Lee is being used as a transitional champion, which I hate because he deserves so much better. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both these guys. I think Kane Cross has more potential as a as a character to do something cool with the NXT Championship. So I suspect that's where they're going with that. But that being said, I think Keith Lee deserves a legitimate run with the championship 
outside of being a transitional champion for carrying across. Um, but anyway, the, the, the first match of, of the evening was Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai and Tegan Knox. Um, I, any match that Io Shirai is in, I am just going to um, thoroughly enjoy. And I hope to God that she has among the lengthiest title runs in NXT history. I think that she is great. And honestly, I think I think um, I think every woman in, in this match is great. I don't think you can go wrong with this combination. So this was a really, uh, really good, really good match, and it really focused on on wrestling, which is something, especially with the women, that I thoroughly enjoyed because you know they started really focusing on the women's uh, divisions when they were doing the. Um, the women's revolution, and then that that was really uh, dialed back to focusing on you know Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Bailey, and then the rest of the division was just you know let them let them linger in purgatory uh, between heaven and hell. Um, and I don't really appreciate that, but hopefully, hopefully this leads to good things with the NXT women's division. So uh, next up, we have um, a recap from the Pat McAfee show where Adam Cole told him to go fuck himself um, for saying that the only reason Adam Cole was NXT championship. Um, or was NXT champion for so long was because of of uh, the undisputed heirs' involvement in his matches. Now he says, "I'm real." That's work. Well, this tells me that this is a work because not not only not only did did this get coverage, but but Triple H's apology got coverage, and you know if if. If if someone had dropped an f bomb in an actual scenario, you have to remember that this is PG era WWE. So if somebody actually dropped an f bomb in an actual shoot, then you would have heard about it from WWE in a very serious, very apologetic fashion. So to me, the fact that it was featured on NXT uh, just. Uh, reaffirms the fact that it was a work and it was done to uh, generate some excitement for NXT. Um, but um, but anything that gets Adam Cole to shine and, and shut down a troll, I have, I have no problem with that. Uh, speaking of something I have absolutely no problem with, we have, uh, we have the, the next match on the card, Johnny Gargano versus Roderick Strong. Now, as a pure wrestling fan, I could watch these two gentlemen go all day long, all night long, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You're not going to get me to complain about this match in any capacity other than the fact that I wish it had gone longer. Um, and I, I really don't see 
I really don't see a, a, a loser in this scenario. It wasn't spectacular, but still it was a very strong match, and I, I enjoy technical wrestling and uh, submission-based wrestling, so obviously I'm going to be a, a huge fan of this match. Uh, next up, we had um, Mercedes Martinez versus Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, the only thing I can say about this match is, um, you know, I really like uh, Mercedes Martinez, but her alignment with the Robert Stone brand uh, is really very random to me, and I don't understand it because she she looks like a Stone Cold killer, and Robert Stone looks like it looks like an asshole. You're right. She, um, she, she should be signing with the Elio Canelo brand. Yeah, and well, even better, she should be signing with the Vampiris brand. I mean, I mean, for God, for God's sake, can you, can you imagine me and Mercedes Martinez together? We look, we we would both look like we were straight up out of Mortal Kombat. And uh, speaking of Mortal Kombat, her her outfit did get a. Um, did get that reference from Mauro uh, Ronaldo. So, so my fandom in Mauro Ronaldo and Mortal Kombat was was rewarded with that mention. So I thoroughly enjoyed that do one. Do you know who Tony Khan is supposed to be? I mean, do you know who Robert Stone is supposed to be? Uh, yeah, well, he's supposed to be a knockoff on uh, Tony Khan. I, I just thought that was... Uh, at first, I, I thought that was just someone... Uh, Putting that out there, but apparently that's what it is. Well, and, and no wonder they make Robert Stone look like an idiot. I mean, you know, I mean, he looked like an idiot when he was in, uh, you know, TNA as uh, Robbie E and that Jersey Shore bullshit. And it uh, certainly would appear that he looks like an idiot when getting run over by a toy tank. By, by a woman that, that doesn't even look like she weighs 100 pounds. You like Robbie E and Cookie? <laughs> oh, fuck no. <laughs> I, I, I hate that. That is right. I couldn't stand them either. Um, well, then we're, we're on the same page here. We're, we're, see, we're, uh, we're regaining each other's uh, wrestling trust the further and further this podcast goes along. Um, so next up, we have um, Keith Lee coming to the ring, only to get uh, briefly interrupted by by Scarlett. Um, but before she can say anything, um, she uh, Keith Lee uh, gets on gets on the mic, and um, and then. Uh, Cameron Grimes, for some reason, gets involved in this segment. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. Why, I saw that. Why, 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 why did he get involved for? I, I don't know, because Cameron Grimes is a moron, and his, <laughs> and his, his brain probably gets distracted by the... I'm, uh, I'm telling you, someone has still hasn't found his way around this point in the listeners. Oh, God. Well, somebody needs to find something that he can wear over that sweater, because it's terrifying. Um, but anyway, um, so then we get back to, uh, Keith Lee and, uh, after he dispatches of, uh, of Cameron Grimes and, uh, 
he calls out Cain uh, Cross, only to have Cross appear on the Titantron to say that that Lee did nothing to save uh, uh, Dijakovic, and now he has to live with that. He threatens to keep hurting people if Keith Lee doesn't give him the title shot that he wants. And he, he, he goes, you can either do this the hard way or the easy way. And Lee says to name the time and place, and he will whoop that ass. And I emphasize that he did not say whoop that ass. He said whoop that ass. Um, why he did that? I don't know, but um, it made me cr- it made me crack a smile. Um, Ever rise versus Imperium. Nothing to discuss here because what the um, hell? Ever rise? I, I I don't understand this team. Why? Uh, well, why, I, why are I, they featured on TV? Well, I don't I don't understand why they're featured with Imperium for fuck's sake. I right. I mean, and, and, and let's be real, you know, since since Walter can't be on the show because of uh, because of travel restrictions due to COVID, um, why are they featuring uh, Imperium Light? Not that I have a problem with with the rest of Imperium, but to me, Walter is Imperium. So next up, we get a boring match. Um, between Isaiah Scott and Jake Atlas, mostly because of Jake Atlas, because I just don't get him. Um, but it, it is um, it, it is then announced that next week we'll have uh, Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai, and Ernie Lorcan versus Ridge Holland versus Damian Priest in a North American title qualifying match. Hold on, hold on. See the second name again. Ridge Holland. I do not oh, know. Oh, oh, you're going to see it's okay next week. I want to know what you think about this guy. I, I don't know who that is, but now he, he, no, he was on NXT UK. We've talked about him before. Um, but yeah, watch this guy. I want to know what you think next week. Well, I got now. I got now. I got to look him up because I'm I'm just curious if I've ever seen him before, and it just no, no, no. You never seen him. He's he's a new, he's a new wrestler that debuted on NXT UK. Yeah, I I've never seen him before. Yeah, um, just, that's why I'm saying watch him because I want to know what you think of him, of about his like, character. Okay, cool. And, and apparently, uh, yeah, WWE ran a uh, YouTube video. Hyping his uh, his NXT debut, so we nobody has seen him. Yeah, which which makes me wonder why he's being put in a triple threat match for uh, an opportunity at the NXT yeah. North American. But yeah, video, video isn't showing nothing. Just uh, watch the guy himself. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, the the main event of the evening was. Um, was Timothy Thatcher versus Finn Balor versus Dexter Loomis? I have to say, I have to say something here. Dexter Loomis gets me excited in a way that that I haven't gotten excited about a character since The Undertaker. See, you get this guy. Some people don't get his character. I get it. 
The, uh, to me, the stare, I mean, everything about him, the stare, the tattoos that look like granite, and, you know, I, every, everything about him just m- makes sense to me. I, I love this guy. I mean, seriously, man. Um, you know, the, and the contacts and just the dead stare, and it, it's amazing to me. So I'm really happy that he um, moves on to um, to a uh, to the five play match at Takeover, and yeah, this this was a very solid episode. Um, you know, nothing must see outside of Dexter Loomis, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, very um, very solid show. And uh, and what did you think overall? Hello. See what I did there? Oh no, I did not. So <laughs> I was being weird. Oh, <laughs> 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 ladies and gentlemen, Elio, uh, unbeknownst to me, because my my screen was showing me the results. When I asked him that question, he held up a photo of Dexter Lewis's dead stare. So well played, well played there, sir. And uh, and that will wrap up our show on a very fitting note. And uh, oh, will... you asked me what I thought of what? Oh yeah, what did you what what did you think overall regarding NXT? I just found this show uh, not that great this week. I, I, I prefer AEW a lot more, and I prefer the other shows a lot more. Well, I mean, to, to me, you know, NXT is one of those shows that really, really needs crowd interaction. To me, that's what makes NXT. So the fact that we're dealing with this quarantine and the fact that it's only going to get even, even worse uh, again than the first round, uh, when when another round of the plague is reportedly getting ready to hit in uh, September or October, uh, would would definitely indicate that this is this is the version of NXT we're we're gonna get um, for the foreseeable future, and I think that that hurts the product. So, um, hopefully, hopefully they can continue to. Uh, pump out um, good shows, good programming, and Vince McMahon stays the fuck away from NXT because I said this uh, in previous weeks, but if he dares put his hands on my black and yellow precious, I'm going to fucking kill a decrepit old bitch. With that, we will uh, we will sign off with a see you later and thanks for hanging out with us tonight on the 81st edition of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Elio, uh, say goodnight to the fans. All right, fans, we will talk to you all next week from my co-host Ben. I'm Elio. This has been the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for You've been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor 
Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore Taking your breath, stealing your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Your fever dream, can't you see, getting closer Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over